Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller in his new retirement home. We'll get into where exactly he's going to be recording from. And of course, there's tons of hockey to get to. We'll check in on our Sens Abroad, hand out our three stars of the weekend since it's been a while. It's been since Friday since we've had the Locked On Senators podcast. But good thing there is news in Sens land as well. Eugene Melnick has issued a statement about the rumors running wild on the internet. We'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, August 18th. We're recording before any of the Stanley Cup action, but Pilsy, first things first, Eugene Melnick wants you to take those trade proposals for number one and shove it. Finally, something that I think Eugene Melnick has said that aligns with the proper thoughts of what Sens fans are thinking. Like, honestly, if you saw Sens Twitter and just the one rumor that was tweeted out that the Sens were going to trade picks three and five, I think I saw every single person I know on Sens Twitter rebuttal that and say it was, to quote Melnick, nonsensical to do that. So, It feels good to finally see Eugene Melnick is kind of figuring out what the fans want here because a lot of us thought, and we talked about it, Melnick, he loves a big show that maybe push them all in, get Lafreniere and have it be a marketing campaign or something. No, finally, he's thinking straight. Picks three and five are going to be unreal. We're going to boost up this entire roster and have this rebuild work properly. You can't change plans now and push all your chips in. Pierre Dorian knows what he's doing. He's steadying this ship, and this draft is going to be electric. It's going to be enormous. Only 52 more days of speculation before the um, new crop of senators are brought in. A couple other notes. It was obviously it was Bruce Garriock's article. Of course, he's got a tight relationship Shocker. with the uh, front office of the senators, to say the least. But you can always dig some things out of his, his articles. There's a lot of of tips. So I'm going to throw two at you and uh, we'll focus on the latter, but the former I thought was interesting. And he says, of course, and this makes sense that Dorian would call the Rangers general manager, Jeff Gordon to do the due diligence. But he mentions in the next sentence that the Montreal Canadians who were vocal about wanting that French Canadian talent, they are expected to make a pitch for Alexei Lafreniere. But then later on, in the article and as he mentions about picking in three and five he gets into a few of the names that would be available in that spot the usuals right it's it's tim stutzla or it's quentin byfield at three but then it gets interesting because in the article he mentions these players by name he mentions marco rossi jamie drysdale jake sanderson and lucas raymond of note there, Pilsy, is the players he doesn't mention, including Cole Perfetti. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first off, that sounds great to me because, as as you guys know, we've been a big pushers for the combo of either Stutzel or Byfield, whichever L.A. gives us, and then Raymond or Drysdale, whatever Detroit gives us, right? So... That's music to my ears. I don't think Perfetti really makes sense for the sense here. And if you're if you're going to go with Perfetti, then personally, I would rather go the route of Marco Rossi anyways. So I think this all makes a lot of sense. And hearing that 
probably if things work out and the rumors are true, LA likes Stutzel more, Byfield drops to the Sens, and hopefully Lucas Raymond does as well. But if he doesn't, I'm totally down to go for the Jamie Drysdale route and get that ultimate number one pairing with him and Shabbat. Yeah, I remember last week you referenced it to the Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski pairing, and we're going to get into that series where it seems like in many of the series, Washington aside, the the more more powerful team is is starting to pull away um, despite a few upsets in the first couple games of each series. But one more note on on the draft and talking about Cole Perfetti. There was a note. I wish I knew the re- the article so I could reference it. But they compared it, and we have heard that Detroit and more notably Steve Eisenman, the general manager there, is interested in Perfetti at four. And he compared it to a a centerman who Eisenman draft in Tampa in the third round and Braden Point to the high hockey IQ. I would be. I think at this point, Pilsy, I'd be surprised if Perfetti gets past Detroit at four. Yeah, and that's what I think, too. It looks like Detroit is really looking at Perfetti, which is great because that leaves Lucas Raymond available for the Senators. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of different chatter about where the Sens should go that route. But I think with their history, drafting Swedish players, uh, right wingers, especially, I think Lucas Raymond makes a lot of sense. And if Lucas Raymond comes in here and he develops into a top-line right winger, you're pretty much set on the right side, right? I I mean, you're looking at, hopefully, Raymond on your first line, Duclair on your second line, Connor Whoa. Brown on your third line. Well, I mean, you are you're have a huge omission there. I think it's a lock that Drake is on that right side come camp. One thing we, we do know is there's some flexibility there. Duclair played really well on the right side, but as a left-hand shot, you think it would almost be easier yeah. for him to play on as a left wing. So there is a bit of flexibility there, but you're right. If they are able to add a guy like Lucas Raymond, then you have to do it offensively. I mean, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. It's Raymond first, and then if they have to go uh, away from Raymond, if that is Eisenman's choice, then Drysdale is the guy for me, Lucas Raymond actually is getting back into the swing of things. He actually played a game uh, just this past week, an exhibition game uh, in Sweden for Frölunda. He's going to be training there and, and playing for that team. We've seen a lot of NHL teams assign their, their European players back to their hometowns over there. I'm curious if the Sens plan on doing a similar thing, um, loaning, let's say, a player like Brandstrom back to HV71 um, or any of their other players, because it would make sense. You'd want your young guys to get in game action, but I guess you can't really just throw any of your prospects over there because it would be kind of unfair to the players who are already on the team. But you got to think NHL GMs are trying to guide their players to having an opportunity at competitive hockey before December first, which feels like so far away. And look, these are strange times, so you're you're not going to have the typical schedule of when guys can play in different leagues in different countries, uh, et cetera. So if you want to get creative and find a way to get your prospects, your players, some ice time so that they're fresh and ready to go for this season, why not? You know, as long as you're doing it in a safe way that is allowed by the NHL with the rules and regulations of uh, player transactions, why not do everything you can to get those guys on the ice as much as possible? So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but... I think it'll be interesting to see how many of those guys do end up going over and then coming back. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on that. But the real focus right now is on the Stanley 
Cup playoff and our sends abroad, which we'll get into later in the show. Three stars coming up. But first, we have to tell you about Rock Auto. You know them as the family business that serves auto parts to customers online, and they have a great track record. Yes, they've been doing it for 20 years. Look, this is all you have to do. Go to rockauto.com whenever something is either wrong or you need an upgrade with your auto or body parts, and you can search from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy and unique catalog online at rockauto.com. They they have everything on there. They have engine control modules and brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get a new carpet on there. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, it's just a few easy clicks away. And especially at a time like this, delivery is paramount. And yes, rockauto.com will get your information so they can deliver it directly to your door. Best of all, I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. You're going to spend up to twice as much for the same parts somewhere else. So just go to rockauto.com right now, right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. So Pillsy, last episode was Friday, meaning there's been, what, 20 games of NHL hockey since then, the way the NHL is just packing everything in. So I figure rather than recapping each series, which could take a little while, we're going to do our three stars. Now, we'll you'll start, give me all three of yours with just a little summary and then I'll uh, I'll rebuttal on them. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my first star. And this guy was first, second, and third star of the game on Friday, Corey Crawford. Then my second star, Bo Horvat. What a captain. I think he probably scored the greatest shorthanded goal I've ever seen on Friday. And then he gets the OT winner. And third star... Joe Pavelski, three goals, his first career playoff hat trick. He tied the game with the goalie pulled to get that game into overtime, which the Stars eventually won. So those are my three guys because without those performances, Chicago's eliminated. Vancouver doesn't get off to a good start, which they're glad they got now. And Dallas doesn't win that comeback game where they outshot the Flames big time. I think it was like 64 shots for the Stars in that game. So without those three guys, those games go a different way and these series start to look a lot different. So those are huge playoff performances. Yeah, let's start with Vancouver because Bo Horvat single-handedly won them that game and they needed every part of both of them because since Jake Allen's been put in, it's been lights out. Would you just keep riding Allen at this point or do you think Bennington should get get another look based on what he did for them last year? First off, Ross, how crazy is it in these playoffs and qualifying rounds? We've seen more goalie changes in mid-series than I think I've ever seen in a playoff like year in my life. Like almost every series, there's been a team that has used both goalies. So it's been really interesting from uh, from a crease standpoint here. And I think you got to go with Jake Allen now. Like, Bennington was, he caught fire, you know, lightning in a bottle. It worked for them last year. But Jake Allen, he's a really uh, competitive goalie. And sure, he's shifted to the backup role now. 
But that guy still has a lot of talent left in him. And I think it's good that the Blues didn't give up on him and they kept him around as kind of a safety net if things didn't go well with Bennington. So, yeah, I think if you're the Blues, you keep riding uh, Jake Gallon. You've got to ride the hot hand. There's no there's no excuse for a cold goalie. You can't afford to have a cold goalie lose you a game in these series. you got to think that the back-to-backs that these teams are playing will also play into the fact that we're seeing both goalies even start games, which Definitely. is something you don't see often in the postseason going back and forth uh, in certain situations. We saw Sens Abroad get in the net for the wrong reasons right after we recorded on the four, on the 14th where Brian Elliott went in after Kata Hot got absolutely lit up for four goals quickly. But that series otherwise has been a goaltender's dream. And if you're a young goalie, make sure you're paying attention because you blink or a, I should say a scoring opportunity happens and it doesn't even look like one just based on the positioning of both Carter Hart and Carey Price. They're, they're eating all the rebounds. They're not over sliding, which we've seen uh, wink, wink, Peter Mrazek, maybe slow down there a bit, but these guys are wild. And we saw that on Sunday where it was a one, nothing game. Philly got the win. The goal was for a check only six minutes into the game. And then the goalies just carried it the way. Has a goalie friendly show. You gotta love to see that, Pilsy. Absolutely. And you know, you gotta love to see a young goalie like Carter Hart bounce back. And That's going not... head to head. Yeah. Against such a vet. And one of his idols. I think there he even talked about it. Carey Price was a guy he had his poster on the wall kind of situation, right? So and man, Carter Hart, like I was just about to use it, no pun intended, but this kid's got a lot of heart. Like to get yanked. As a young goalie in the playoffs, Just 22. Yeah, like that. Serious. That is tough mentally. Like you feel like you let your team down. You don't know what went wrong. You're trying to figure it out, and then to come back and shut the door on the Canadians' next game, absolutely incredible by Carter Hart. Yeah, I should mention that is one of my stars here, Carter Hart, as we're transitioning into some more three-star selections. Troy Stetcher. Going back to, you mentioned Bo Horvat, but Troy Stetcher got the game-winning goal in the other Canucks victory. I want to say that would have been game one. Game one. Uh, yeah, it was game one. And unreal moment where, unfortunately, yeah, he, his dad passed away. I think it was just after Father's Day this year, so very recently. And after the goal, of course, he grew up in Vancouver, Canucks fan. His dad had season tickets, so it was a huge diehard Canucks fan. And he did the the point to the heavens. That was an awesome look, and you saw him get emotional too, Pills, in the post-game interview. you got to love that kind of stuff. Like That's the kind of stuff where you have to believe there is a hockey god somewhere, right? Like there, there is someone that's like, you know what? Who needs a playoff OT winning goal right now, Stetcher, and he got it. And think, I reference how Bo Horvat, uh, his play changed this series. If Troy Stetcher doesn't score that goal, maybe, and Bo Horvat doesn't score that OT winner, the Blues have the sweep, right? I mean, obviously, hindsight, hypothetical, but that's the difference right now. It's a 2-2 series, tie, uh, tied series because of those guys' performances. Although it almost feels like it's 2-2 in favor of St. Louis, Talk about momentum. Yep. Talk about a team that's coming together and, and really starting to play that crash and bang hockey that made them so successful last season. And you mentioned, but Jake Allen coming back and still being there instead of being traded as a guy whose cap hit was definitely more than you'd want to pay a backup goalie this year. But talk about a good insurance policy. Boston needed one of those too. Is also, since we spoke, Pilsy, 
Tuka Rask pulled the plug. And I was going to have Yarrow Halak as one of my stars. He did get the two wins. Yeah, I was going to say, he I'm, switched it up on me. I know. I switched it up there because I, I figured Carter Hart and just the way he's gone head-to-head with Price, I think that's deserving. Troy Stetcher, my second. And my third is Anders Lee, an eventful series he's having against the Washington Capitals. He knocked out Nick Backstrom, who still hasn't played, and that's a tough, tough pill for Washington to swallow. There's also reports that John Carlson is banged up, playing injured on the back end, a leg injury there. But that hit, and man, that was, you want to say accidentally on purpose, just the way that, um, sure, it looked like neither were paying attention, but he just got him square, and he had to stand up for it. He got in the fight with Tom Wilson. He got in a fight right away after with John Carlson, who jumped into the aid of his fallen teammate. But then what does Anders Lee go out and do? He goes out and scores the game-winning goal. And 17 hits in seven games. He's plus five. He's got three goals, all at even strength. And this is the kind of player. And when Tavares left, I almost thought, like, who's going to be the captain? But this seemed like a natural fit all along. What a player honors Lee is yeah and I think Ross now you're starting to see why the Islanders gave him that fat fat contract I mean he's 30 years old and he's got seven million for one two three four five six seven more years I think a lot of people kind of gawked at that contract when it got signed but you're seeing the value of a guy like Anders Lee especially on this Islanders team where Arguably, their best players are some of your younger guys, right? Like uh, Barzell, especially. So you need guys like Anders Lee who are going to step up physically, but can also put the puck in the back of the net. So huge, huge guy for the Islanders. 3 nothing series lead. Are you kidding me? Over the Washington Capitals? The Islanders doing them back-to-back it. years. Yeah. Every time you think they can't win a series, they'll prove you wrong. Like they're, I think they're going to be the team that wins a cup who no one thought would make it past probably even the qualifying rounds. It was kind of a toss-up. So it's crazy if this team goes all the way. And, hey, if they do end up going all the way, third-round pick in Pierre Dorian's pocket. Yeah, third round pick, but then the first is 31st overall. Come on, glass half full here, Ross. Let's go. However, if it's 31st, then Ottawa would be picking 31st and 34th. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Which is which would be kind of cool. So um, keep that in, in, uh, in your thoughts as we sneak up towards the draft. I want to ask you one more Sens draft question for um, later on. But since we're on the Islanders, great way to shift to Sens abroad. And Jean-Gabriel Pajot's climbing the rankings here. He's got... Five points, two points in this series, both assists. Had an awesome breakaway opportunity that he made for himself uh, in overtime. It was it was stopped. Or was it late in the third? Anyways, it was in a crucial part of the game. And uh, he used his foot speed. And a, a lot of people on Twitter realizing just how fast Pajot is as a player. A little water bug out there. So Pager's having a heck of a series, heck of a playoffs. And, man, Derek Broussard, too. When you think of Brass, and I know all the Islanders contribute physically and, and laying the body. Do, doesn't it surprise you that Derek Broussard has 18 hits in seven games? A little bit. I mean, that's the same as Pajot, right? So these guys are showing that maybe they're not the biggest guys. You don't look at them as power forwards, but when it comes to crunch time, you're looking at big game brass and playoff pager. Like these guys show up when it's time. Nick Foligno sandwiched between them in points. He has four and nine games, but 
a hitting machine, leading Columbus. He's definitely top three in the National Hockey League, if not higher. I don't have that right in front of me now, but 36 hits in nine games. Pillsy, how much is that the extra time in the games with their five-overtime game twice against the Leafs? They went to OT. But at the same time, this guy is just a leader in every sense of the word. You know what, that's obviously something you need to look at. Like, he's just played a lot of hockey, so there's much more chances to get or to to make hits. But as I just gave away there, there's lots of chances to get hit, too. So, like, for you to keep being able to throw the body while probably taking a lot of hits, too. Because if you're a guy that's throwing the body out there, you know it's coming right back at you when you've got the puck. So... Shout out to the Felino boys. I love the way those guys play hockey. Uh, I can't say I saw too much of their dad playing hockey, but if he was anything like his sons and raised them that way, I'm sure he was exciting because these guys, sure, they don't put up a lot of points, but I bet you ask any of their teammates, and I mean, Nick Felino's a captain, so that proves it right there, but they love playing with guys like this, and I think Marcus Felino has really found a spot for him in Minnesota too. And who doesn't love playing with Mark Stone? We'll say the crown jewel of the Sens abroad for last seven points in seven games. I was a bit surprised that he's a minus one, considering that the Vegas Golden Knights have won six of their seven games in the NHL bubble. Um, And he could have got more points, Ross. Crawford stoned him on one of those uh, plays right in tight. So Corey Crawford, my first star, making things difficult for Mark Stone. Yeah, Stonesy has still been himself, though. Like, still making takeaways. He had that backhand sauce. Steel usually sauce, steel, Yeah, usually <laughs> it's steel snipe, Sally, but we had to add a little sauce on that one because it was beautiful, and he's the emotional leader out there for the Vegas Golden Knights. Meanwhile, Robin Leonard, four wins in five games. They went to Flurry. Uh, it's back. Sorry, they went to Flurry in game four, back to Leonard in game five, and you got to think, or sorry, Three and four. Tonight is game five, and you got to think that series is basically put on ice. Don't let Corey Crawford hear you say that. I mean, I you think he's going to steal them another game. I don't know, Ross. It's going to be tough, but he stole a lot of money out of my wallet. I'll tell you that. I went hard on that Vegas team because, man, they had to crack. I thought for sure they were going to crack because Chicago. I think they must have had the puck like hardly any of the game. And when they did, it was just dumping it in and getting a change. Like Vegas was swarming. So if you can do it once, you can do it again. We'll see. But I don't think Vegas is going to allow that, especially since that game-winning goal was scored from behind the goal line in the corner. Robin Leonard kind of headbutts it in himself. Um, so I don't think Chicago is going to get that lucky again, but you never know. All right. I would not be betting on Chicago today. Although I told you I was only taking underdogs and guess what underdogs went yesterday, Pilsy? Oh, and four. So <laughs> I am, uh, I'm screwed. Um, okay. Well, let's end the show talking a couple sends notes. And uh, we had East coast sends great follow on Twitter. Go see him there. He, uh, he asked us what it would take for Ottawa to get the second overall pick while keeping three. Now, there's an argument to be made because if Drysdale does become available at five, you got to think that positionally, L.A. could use Drysdale more than any with their, with their very deep offensive pool. They were ranked Wheeler's number one prospect system, but they're missing that heir apparent to Drew Doughty, who's not getting any younger. If, if they could add some other assets, 
what would they be? And do you think LA would be listening to that kind of offer to move down from two to five? I want to start this off with saying this stinks. I don't like the idea of this at all. And if I'm going to stick with owner Eugene Melnick, which I rarely do, this just seems nonsensical. Why is everyone so obsessed with moving picks three and five? Because Dorian's made more trades than any GM over the last three years. We need trades to live. We're going to get trades. I can almost guarantee you that. But that's going to happen with the plethora of second-round picks that are just mingling, hanging around, extra cash in Dorian's wallet. These picks three and five, that's as good as you need. And we've talked about it over and over. The positional wealth that that's going to give the Senators, being able to pick a centerman and a right winger or right shot defenseman, that's what they need. I don't think it makes any sense to try to get Byfield and Stutzla because if that's what you want to do, why give up any assets to move to number two? Just pick Byfield and or or Byfield or Stutzel and then Rossi if that's what you want to do. Don't give up any more assets to do that. The Senators don't need to give up assets to get more prospects. We got prospects. We don't need to give up assets to get draft picks. We got draft picks. The only reason I think it would make sense to trade any draft picks is if the Sens are really high on a guy and they're worried he's going to get taken and they trade up so that they can grab him, which I don't think they need to do. They have so many picks. Or we know how hard it is to get veteran guys here on free agency, use those assets, some of those second or third round picks to get a veteran guy that can come into this lineup and stabilize things. Maybe a veteran defenseman because we haven't heard much on the Boro front or the Hainsey front. So maybe that's the route you go there. But I don't like the idea of moving picks three and five whatsoever. The Sens have been stockpiling for this draft since the Carlson trade in September of 2018. So they've had this circled on their calendar as the draft due to its depth and due to its uh, high-end talent, which is why it's so awesome that that Sharks pick ended up where it was. But even if it didn't, like the first three rounds, the first 90 picks, and we profiled the top 50, there's upside in all of them. And I think most drafts, you could probably say that about 30, 35 players. So the fact that they have these second-round picks – other teams might have guys ranked in the first round that fall to the mid-second. And then Ottawa can use one of those seconds to scoop it up. And when you look at it, the Islanders' second-round pick, that's unknown where it's going to be. Columbus, I would be shocked if Columbus comes back and beats Tampa. So if that's the case, you're in the, the what, 46th range? If they can manage to get five or six of these seven picks... Dallas is the other one, right? It's not Vegas's pick. And it's funny, full circle, that Dallas pick was for Mark Mathot. So uh, funny. Af- after the expansion draft. So that's that's strange in itself. And I, I don't know if Dallas, they could. Matthew Kachuk is in uh, concussion protocol. He's not going to be available for a little while. So I'm really curious to see where these seconds, because the value of a high second versus the value of a low second rounder is pretty big. I would say just as big of a high first to a low first. Maybe not that extent maybe like what from pick 10 to pick 22 like the top end of the second round would be the equivalent value if you were trading you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly like you could you could almost extend the first round to picks 40 and maybe even 50 depending on teams different draft boards and stuff right right like you said there may may be a guy that 
uh, contending team that's later on in the draft really thinks is a first round pick and it falls all the way to the second round and they want to scoop it up. Boom. That's when you start making moves like that. And we may see some really creative cap move trades here that hopefully Pierre Dorian can take advantage of, seeing as how much cap room the Sens have and will have next season. So that's another thing to look out for. Crazy to think that we've had no trouble filling these daily Locked On Senators podcasts. It's been 160 days, Pilsy, since the Ottawa Senators last played an NHL hockey game. And you know what the beauty is? we got all to talk about again tomorrow. Make sure you go subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast. And that way, you'll be the first for instant access before we post it on Twitter. Pilsy, tomorrow's going to be a good show. Should we tease it now? Yeah, let's tease tomorrow's show. But first... I want to address some uh, some quick rumors. I'm out of the city. No more Toronto for this guy. Um, contrary to what Ross said, I'm not retired. I'm working right now. You're listening to me work as we speak. So I'm still grinding on the podcast. Locked on Senators. We got your team every day. We're working on this. We, the, Like you said, the Senators haven't played in ages. And we're still bringing you content. Even though I'm not in the heart of enemy territory, I'm enjoying the beautiful nature, the water, the biking trails. I'm going to be snowboarding every day up here in Collingwood. So that's what's going on. But that's not going to stop the podcast. That's for sure. Well, you're going to have to do some digging and think about whether it's going to stop your drives from Belleville as they got, what, triple the length now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, ho- hopefully what, difficult. Yeah, hopefully I think what, uh, we may have to put a bow on the Belleville season, unfortunately. Well, we don't even know when fans will be allowed back in NHL buildings or AHL buildings. Well, hopefully the AHL does start at the start of December. But congrats on the move, Pilsy. Tomorrow, we'll be back on here to have some more updates. And you can go to Twitter at Send Central to get your full Sends Abroad update. Tomorrow, we'll talk about some young Belleville players producing no surprise there lots of playoff coverage we might have some eliminated teams to talk about and a sends central citizen like i said head to the locked on senators podcast where you get your podcast subscribe be the first and hey why not drop a little review for us as well always trying to get better or here's some uh some five stars nothing wrong with that hey eh, pilsy we'll be back at it tomorrow for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast where we've got your team every day.